Welcome to the Good to Growth podcast on Nonprofit Hub Radio. I'm your host, Katie Appled. I'm the executive director of Do More Good and Nonprofit Hub. One of my favorite job duties is hosting this podcast. Each week, I get to talk to nonprofit leaders, influencers, and innovators who are changing the sector. You see, we know that you're already doing good. We've designed this podcast to help nonprofits who are doing good to find new ways and new resources to grow. So tune in weekly, spread the news, and share the resources we share with you. We look forward to helping you move from good to growth. We'd like to thank DonorBox for sponsoring today's episode of the Good to Growth podcast. DonorBox is transforming the art of fundraising. They bring the functionality and power of online fundraising to your nonprofit with a sleek interface and nonprofit-specific tools. With DonorBox, you can connect with donors on a deeper level and raise more funds quickly and easily, helping you make an even bigger impact. Visit DonorBox.org to learn more. We want our donors to trust us, and for the most part, I think we all try to be um, as transparent as possible. We we put our financials out there, we issue annual reports, and even just by the nature of being a 501c3, there is some transparency that comes with that. But ultimately, somehow, donor trust is still an issue. And my gut is that it might tie to the relationship with the donor more than the the paper we're providing or the stats we're providing. Today, we're talking with Kara Augsberger of DonorBox, and she has just about every credential or letter behind her name that you could have related to fundraising. She is an expert, but she also brings practical knowledge um, that is going to be so useful as we dig into how to grow donor trust. Kara, give us your background. Tell us what you do with DonorBox and maybe your favorite part of working in the sector. Absolutely, sure. So I've been working in nonprofit fundraising and development, gosh, for over half my life, like 25 years now. And I think most of us in the fundraising profession, me included, the profession kind of found me, not the other way around. And I don't know many of us in the sector who said, I want to raise money for a nonprofit when I grow up. Right. So my formal education is in communications and then a master's degree in education with a focus on adult learning. But throughout that time, I worked in my college development office and I just stayed in the field. So my professional experience is in fundraising and project management, which led me to the world of consulting. And then I eventually earned both my project management professional and certified fundraising executive credentials. And now I'm fundraising coach for the fundraising software platform, DonorBox, where I get to do really all of those things while helping nonprofits with their fundraising. And the one thing I really love is that DonorBox really strives to connect with nonprofits on a deeper level beyond just the software to help them raise money. And I guess that's really where I come in. Like I said, I love the content that you guys put out. One, because it's usually backed with research. Um, you guys do your homework. It's not just 
someone's opinion. It's actually quality educational content. But you always have the um, the best of lists, like the best podcasts, the best books. And I love those. Um, Thank you. Huge fan. Huge fan. And I love what you said that fundraising found you because I think the best fundraisers are the ones that didn't come into it with the intent to raise money. They came into it because they love talking to people or they love um, being part of a cause. So that's a beautiful thing as well. Absolutely. I see that a lot. Yeah. 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 In communications, I mean, that's like pretty core to, to what you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the core of what we're going to talk about today, too, which is really cool. Yeah. So donor trust, um, mm-hmm. such a hot topic. I think it's something that we we love to push aside. We're intrigued by it when we hear about something going wrong or, mm-hmm. you know, there being some issue. But it's I mean, it's a real consideration for anybody working in fundraising. Why is it so important? And what do you think the disconnect is when we lose donor trust? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think for pretty much everyone, trust is complex. It's a complex topic because it's hard to define. And sometimes it's more of a feeling than something you can measure. But in in the fundraising world, you have to build an element of trust to earn that first donation from a new supporter. And then as the amount of a donation request increases, so does the level of that donor trust needed for them to trust you with their hard-earned money again. And donors are really looking for nonprofits that are authentic and transparent. I really don't think they have to be perfect and they don't have to be perfect all the time, but that authenticity, transparency that they push forward, and then the intentionality of building relationships. And you asked why it's important. Well, without without trust, donors won't stick around. If they don't stick around, you can't raise money for your cause. And that is a threat to your organization's sustainability. And I think there are three big concerns that I've seen that donors really wrestle with. And I I think they're they're across all organizations and all sectors. So there's three big things on donors' mind. Donors can hesitate to give because they're unclear of where their money's going, or maybe they're unsure of the impact their giving will have. Donors don't feel like they matter, or maybe they don't feel like their contribution mattered, which is, it's kind of scary there. And then they're concerned, and I think this is a big one, that you'll only reach out to them when you, when you need money, that they want to be respected and they want to be a partner and not, you know, I've heard, we hear this phrase all the time, not an ATM machine. So we just, um, I just did a podcast interview a couple days ago and we were talking about donor relationships. Um, it was with Adriana O'Donnell from the Fundraising Academy. And we talked exactly about that. Like, how do we help create donor relationships where mm-hmm. that ATM mentality isn't mm-hmm. there? Yeah. Um, I, those all make sense. And I think fundraisers, you know, we all, we all work to build that relationship. We want it to be a partnership, um, but that takes time. So how do we, and I'm going to ask the cheap question, but it's a thing everybody wonders, how do we expedite this process? Mm-hmm. How do we go from um, you know having this fresh new one-time donation to getting to the point of relationship and trust? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Um, and I think in my experience, when donors stop giving, it's usually because the organization hasn't built that meaningful relationship with them. And so I think organizations can quickly grow that relationship, quickly build trust by re- it all boils down to communications. And, and so I'll flip those concerns we just talked about and, and maybe give some examples of how communicating well can, can build trust instead of, instead of break it down. So for the donors who are unsure of where their money's going or the impact they'll have, donors are looking for a healthy partnership and they want to partner with you in the change you're making in this world. Honestly, they want to give to whatever it is you are doing, your mission, not necessarily to you. So deliver programs that are impactful, that are meaningful, and that are measurable, and then use that data to illustrate the impact and reach of your organization through your communications. And then we said that donors don't feel like they matter, or maybe they don't feel like their contribution matter. Acknowledging donors of every gift level or amount promptly should be part of your organization culture. That's another communication tool. You can use language that shows the impact your supporters can have on the bigger mission and focus on the outcome. Again, back to the why. What good will happen in this world when they give? And if you have time to give it, I think it's always a good practice to sit down with your staff or maybe key volunteers if you're a small shop and realign and clearly spell out why what you do matters. And then refer to it consistently and communicate it clearly to your supporters. I worked for an organization. We had it on our mouse pads. Everybody got a mouse pad and and it was on there um, so we could see it every day or tack it onto the top of a staff meeting agenda or a weekly email or something like that. But all of those things really revolve around engagement. So thanking your supporters, involving them in what's going on, and then showing them how it's making a difference. And I'll also add there, so back to, do I matter? Does my contribution matter? Stay true to your word. When you say you're going to do something, if you say you're going to follow up a conversation that you have with someone in person or in an event, say, I'll send you that email, do it. And if you say you're going to communicate regularly, they'll receive some sort of monthly email or newsletter, do it. Um, And then that third thing I mentioned, the ATM, back to the ATM story again, Um, donors are afraid you're only going to reach out to them when you need money. And I hate that. Donors certainly want to be involved. They don't want to be ignored or treated like that ATM. But I know I've been guilty of it. And and it's really easy to drop the ball. Um, We've all got a lot of things to do. And I think some simple language changes can can be done there too. So I've written appeals. I've written campaigns that start with become a supporter or give now and they're fine, but I think that language can be really limiting to our donor. Our donors are amazing, amazing humans. And I wonder what it would look like if we asked them, if we asked the people who are involved in our organization, those who are maybe stepping up to give or stepping in to serve, if we asked them to solve a problem with us. So you can educate and inspire them to join you in this big mission of yours. So you could say, give now to feed the hungry, or you can say, you know, let's eliminate hunger together. And so that's just a little example of using some communication and some using just some word, word smithing, some language um, to, to really help people solve injustices 
and want to fix problems. And I will say that for many of us, and me included, the easiest way to do this is through giving. Um, We can't all be on the front lines, but when money moves from my bank account to partner with an organization I support, and then it gets multiplied with other donor support, my money becomes exponentially more powerful. And and so I, I think, Katie, like you said, gaining trust doesn't happen overnight, but it can and will happen over time, like you said, if we're committed to it. And then as an organization, you really need to consider supporter trust as an asset that you can invest in and build in and really make it the forefront of your your internal communications as well. So much wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, thanks. Absolutely. I, well, we're so short-sighted sometimes, and mm-hmm. I get that because we're all under extreme pressure, but we mm-hmm. make the gift the goal when really it should be the relationship because over time, it's so much more valuable. Absolutely. And I'll add into, um, you know, I'm a mom. I have teens and a preteen. And we've talked a lot about friendships lately and the intentionality that it takes and friendships don't magically happen. And I think of, you know, my closest friends um, are the people I trust the most. They're the people who pursue me, who check in with me, who give me a lot of grace when I need it. And there's a lot of trust there. And I really think our organizations are no different. You know, spending time and investing in your donor relationship really looks a lot like building a friendship. Hi, this is Kevin Burgess, the editor of the Good to Growth podcast. We'd like to send a shout out to DonorBox for sponsoring today's episode. DonorBox is a donation platform that can be set up quickly and easily on your website or DonorBox-hosted fundraising page. They've worked with more than 35,000 organizations around the world, helping them increase their donations by providing an excellent donation experience. Best of all, there's no setup fee, no monthly fee, and no contract required to start using DonorBox. So visit DonorBox.org to sign up today. That's DonorBox.org. Now let's get back to Katie with the rest of her conversation with Kara Augsburger. So Kara, when we have a new donor, first time donor, um, and maybe they came to us through not a personal relationship, but maybe it's just an online gift. Maybe it's that they're totally invested in the cause, but they're going to try supporting it through your organization. What's a good first step we can take to build trust? I think that organizations that do this well make their new or potential donors feel seen. Hmm. So you can make your new donors or any donor really feel like an insider. For new donors, quickly acknowledge their gifts like we mentioned earlier. And you can send a welcome kit that introduces them to your organization. It doesn't have to be big. Some, something simple that just really talks about your mission and what what you're actively doing in this world. And I think if you engage your board or volunteers in making thank you calls to new donors, that shows that you really value them. Um, maybe you can offer some volunteer opportunities that will help them see that impact firsthand when they're out there working. And then keep them support, um, keep them updated through social media. So ask them to subscribe to your channels, um, maybe tag them in a post when, when you notice they do. 
and make sure that they're receiving newsletter updates and you're keeping the content relevant and, and provide them with as much opportunity to make them feel like they're part of your community and make them feel valued. That's what I, that's how I would pursue a new donor. Um, and, and, and what is it? Retention is about 45% industry-wide. But I think if you integrate some of these little steps, I think that you would really see that donor retention rise. So simple, yet so profound. <laughs> I mean, that's the human thing. We all right? want to be seen mm-hmm. and acknowledged and valued. Why would that not be how we take care of our donors too? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about transparency a little bit, because most of the organizations I know are are publishing annual reports. They're to some degree sharing financial data, Mm -hmm. and just by nature of being a 501c3, there's some level of transparency. But what can we do, what other things can we do to create that clarity for donors? And how do we kind of balance not, you know, inundating them? with info that they may not actually want. So I think the website, you know, you mentioned um, the 990s and the annual reports. And I do love it when I see the annual report or financial statements on an organization's website. Your website is your primary um, outward facing tool that um, people who are investigating your organization, that's how they get to know you. So They aren't reading your newsletters because maybe they haven't engaged with you in that way, or maybe they haven't served alongside you, but they're going to your website to learn more. So it's an easy way to bump up that transparency. And um, savvy donors, they'll go and check out your board of directors, or they'll look for your impact before they even make that first donation. Um, Or they'll honestly, they'll check you out on a charity rating database and so that website is your big tool. But I think there are some other things other than the 990s, the annual reports that you can show on your website. I think every nonprofit summit or um, webinar or anything, I think sometimes mentions storytelling. We, we hear it all the time. And that's because it really is impactful. So sharing the stories of impact of the good that's done because your, your supporters financially supported the organization. Have that on your website. And I'll also add, never underestimate the power of a great testimonial. You can build credibility with a donor testimonial on your website or on your giving form. We've, we've seen a lot of organizations have it right there on their, their giving page and right on their giving form. Um, but maybe you have testimonials from those who are receiving your services. So we don't always believe what's in front of us, but I think as a people, as a as the human race, we do tend to believe other people. And you know those five star reviews that you see on um, a product you purchase, I always check those out before I buy. And and I think that organizations that can really show um, that other people are valuing the organization, I think that that will really kind of clearly tell that story without having to put numbers in front of people. Just yesterday, I heard a stat, um, and I will actually, I'll link it in the podcast notes, but it was 74% of buying decisions are made because of other user input, be it a, a rating or a testimonial. 74%. Well, I rarely buy anything without reading the reviews. And I think as development professionals, we we don't tend to do that. 
So maybe it's something that, that we should all just start embracing a little bit more. I feel like the um, fundraising profession, we learn a lot from um, retail. We learn a lot from um, the corporate world that we can apply in our sector too. And that's that sounds like that needs to be one of them. Absolutely. Okay, so let me dig a little bit into that. Um, for all the fundraisers out there who have donors who maybe have made one gift or two gifts, when is the right point to ask them for a testimonial? Because mm-hmm. you don't want to just jump on that as soon as the gift is made. Yeah, um, you know, I think that donor survey, obviously communicating, asking for advice, you know, communicating is not always outward facing. It's two ways. So you're asking for advice, you're collecting that advice, you're creating dialogue. Um, I think maybe part of your new donor welcome package, you have a survey and it says, what inspired you to give or why did you think of our organization? And then if you have a few of those um, that stand out, create um, a dialogue with those people and, and then just genuinely ask, hey, that was really fabulous. Can I show that on our website? So I think it can come as early as a first time donor. But as an organization, too, I mean, you inherently know who your committed donors are. You're the ones that that raise their hand every year and, and step in to support you, monthly donors. So I, I think, as you know, as you collect that that repository of stories, if you're using storytelling, you can definitely collect a repository of testimonials, too. But make sure that you're you're collecting their consent to use that testimonial as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Always, always with the consent. Yeah. Okay. So tons of great information. I'm going to ask you for one more thing. Um, We always do a segment in this program that is a bit of good news for the nonprofit sector. What do you have? I love that you asked this. And and I did give some thought to this because I knew it was coming. But um, I think I am currently overwhelmed by the resiliency of the human spirit. And I saw this through the pandemic when people connected and really encouraged one another across borders from their homes. And I've seen it recently with individuals and communities rising up with the crisis in Ukraine. And nonprofit giving is one way that we see this. And I remember that giving surged, especially in the early days of the pandemic. And I read recently that a quarter of Americans, or probably more by now, have donated toward a fundraising campaign for Ukrainian relief or aid. And I know in both situations, the pandemic and then watching this war roll out day by day in the news, I felt helpless. I was home. I'm home, you know, home. I'm I'm not on the front lines. And giving to nonprofits that are actually doing the heavy lifting on the front lines was a way that I could do my part. And I think others feel this way as well. And I am awestruck when I see extraordinary trauma. And then I also see people or groups pressing forward, trudging through, collaborating around good. And it's easy to overlook that in today's world when we're just too busy to notice or some overwhelmed by the bad and the ugly that we see come across our news every single day. I couldn't agree more. The crisis in Ukraine has been has been heart-wrenching, but mm-hmm. what you said the about the human spirit, I think it has 
it has shown such light on that. I mean, even the people of Ukraine, watching them be so resilient, absolutely, that is definitely good news. Kara, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. This was super informative. I found myself taking notes, which is always <laughs> a good sign. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Well, thank you. And thank you too for the way that you curate so many amazing resources and provide so many opportunities for people to learn and connect and just empower their nonprofits. So I'm grateful for you. hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kara as much as I did. She is such a delight and such an authority in the nonprofit sector when it comes to fundraising. I know I mentioned this earlier, but DonorBox is one of my favorite resources for great blog articles, research, and content related to fundraising. Not only do they have a great product, but they're a thought leader in the sector. I'm also going to give you one more reminder for Cause Camp. It's coming up in two weeks. If you hurry, you can probably still get an in-person pass, but if not, you can always attend virtually and register up until May 2nd. This conference is, I know I'm biased, but it is the best in the sector when it comes to networking, idea generation, and just fun, because we all need some fun sometimes. It's also one of the most affordable. So you can register at cause.camp register. I hope to see you there. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. For more tools, tips, and techniques on fundraising, marketing, and all things nonprofit, be sure to check out nonprofithub.org. We hope you'll join us next week for another episode of the Good to Growth podcast on Nonprofit Hub Radio. 